Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us those, uh, those songs that allow us to worship our God, to express our heart, to express our love. And Anana, thank you for playing. I know she's been sick today, so uh, it was a gift that we were given by her service. The evangelists came um, unexpectedly. Maybe in the 40s or the 50s AD, they moved from the coasts of Israel, of Syria, from the coast of Ephesus, uh, Asia. They moved into the interior of Turkey. We don't know all their stories. Some of those are lost to history. But they moved in inward, inland, village by village, going from place to place. Amazingly and stunningly, uh, over time, they, they brought a message to the people, people that lived in darkness for so many centuries. They brought this, this, this message again and again and through simple people, through uneducated people, through people that just heard from them, for themselves from others about Jesus the Christ. They shared in, in very simple ways, uh, maybe preaching in a synagogue, maybe standing on a street corner, corner selling fish, maybe going to that uh, place of, of uh, business selling their, their wares, their goods. They shared again and again. And lo and behold, in places around the world, it, in, in the book of Revelation, they, they went to towns like Ephesus. They went to towns like Smyrna and and Pergamum and Thyatira, they went to Sardis, they went to Philadelphia, they went to Laodicea, the towns that they went to, the villages again and again, the gospel went out and, and they preached the message that the Son of God had come. They, they, they shared the message that the Lord of all had come, the Messiah, the Savior, and He, and he came to save you, they said again and again. He came to res rescue you, came to redeem you, came to save your life both now and forevermore. And, and lo and behold, as, as they, they preached, they, they said, but his people rejected him. His people turned him over to be crucified, and he died. But this Lord, this King of kings, this one from eternity, he rose from the dead on the third day. He rose to life. He rose to eternal life. He ascended to heaven on the 40th day. On the 50th day, he was up in the, in, the, in, the, in the realms of glory. His name is Jesus. And in and, and these villages, these, these, these enclaves of, of pagan worship, these, these places where the spirits reigned and the demons ruled, Jesus was accepted as Lord and Savior by that person and and that, that widow and, and that little child, by that, that leader. And, and through, the, through the decades, 
more and more people came to faith and, and churches were planted. Churches were started. People became worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just sometimes we talk about us being at the end of the earth here in the San Luis Valley. He's, his message, his word has gone out to all the continents now. To every place, every, every, every arena in the world. The gospel is being preached today, but they started back then. Maybe it was 40, maybe it was 50 A.D., maybe, maybe some of these places, 55 A.D., uh, small churches, house churches began, 10, 12, 20 people, maybe up a big church, 30 or 40 people. The, the problem was that uh, as they started following Jesus, it, it moved them into a realm of being opposed to the local gods. They could no longer worship the spirits. They could no longer go and make offerings at those temples. They could no longer bow the knee to the emperor, Caesar, as they were instructed to. And so as they became believers, they are baptized, they are walking in faith with the Lord. They, they were told that Jesus was coming back. They were told that the king would come back soon. Be patient, but be strong in the faith. He's coming back. And, and you know the story. As the months turned into years, opposition grew. They became outsiders. They became opposed to greater and greater degrees. What about your kids? What about your family? You're part of our community. Are you going to follow this Jesus forever? Come back to the old ways. Come back to the truth, as the uh, pagan evangelist would say. Uh, opposition turned into threat. Threat turned into Attack. Attack turned into serious persecution. Persecution turned into murder. It cost you to follow Jesus. It cost your kids to follow Jesus. Your family. And you can imagine as the months turned into years and the years turned into decades. Where is Jesus? Jesus, you said you were coming back. Where are you? What are you doing in our world? It seems as if things are going on and the only one who's reigning is the emperor. It seems that as, as time goes on, the only thing that's happening is that uh, the, the, the false gods and the demons are being worshipped. Are we on the right path? Are you coming, Jesus, or not? And so the book of Revelation, the, the word there is the apocalypse. The unveiling came. By the grace of God... God gave Jesus a message. Jesus gave the Apostle John a message through his angel. An unveiling, a, a revealing, a, um, an exposing of what reality is. What's really transpiring, transpiring behind the scenes. All we see is worldliness. All we see is wickedness. All we see is false worship. But behind the scenes, there is one who reigns and one who rules. He is the king of kings. And, and so the revelation came, the message came. Imagine you're sitting in that little church in Laodicea or that little church in Smyrna. Imagine you're sitting there and you're hearing the reader read about the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, what soon must take place. And the pictures, the scenes, the images of 
of God Almighty coming. You can see these things happening around you, these, these, these terrors, these, these wars, these troubles, these, these politics. But there is something you can't see, but you must believe in. God reigns. God rules. Keep the faith. Do not stop walking in the ways of Jesus. So in the fall, we started uh, studying the book of Revelation. And in the fall, we spent uh, time going through the seven letters to the seven churches of Revelation. <clears throat> and they're, they're different churches, they're different settings, they're different, they're different circumstances. The same message came through again and again. Be faithful. Conquer. Overcome. Do not give in to the pressures. Do not give in to compromise. Do not make partnerships with evil. Keep walking with me, Jesus said. Keep the faith even unto death. That message again and again to those who conquer, to those who overcome, I will give again and again the promises. Jesus has come and, and he is present with his churches. You can't see it, but he's there, says the book. Walking in your midst. Believe, have faith, trust in Him. And then uh, before Christmas time came, we got into chapter 4. The, uh, the scenes around the world were of Roman garrisons. The scenes around the world were of soldiers uh, bribing and taking bribes and, and graft and corruption. Uh, of politicians using and abusing the people in their district. The, the scenes that they saw every day were were the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. The scenes they saw every day was theft and lies and deceit, people using people for their own ends. And, and John comes with a vision. Remember, we, John came with that vision of, there is something you can't see, but let me open up the vision for you. There is a throne. There is a throne in heaven. And around the throne, all the angelic beings worship the one upon the throne. Caesar is not Lord. Caesar is not Savior. The Roman Empire is not all, all, all the end. The big, the power, the might. No, there is one upon the throne who reigns. Can you see it? And, and have you centered your life upon God and His rule and His reign? All of creation has. Why not you? So, so the message came to them, and they're catching a vision, catching a, a, a picture of the future um, and then in chapter 5, remember we came to that chapter and, and with, on, the, on the right hand of the, uh, the God who's on the throne is a scroll. The destiny of humanity written in that scroll, the purposes of God in that scroll, the plan of God for the end of the world, for the coming of the kingdom in that scroll. Can you see it? The beleaguered, those who had been suffering for decades, the book of Revelation was written primarily, first of all, to them. To give them a picture of hope. To give them a picture of truth. To give them a picture of the fact that God reigns and He is in control of all history. Will you believe? Will you trust? Will you hold on to Him faithfully to the end? No matter what comes. The scroll is ready to be opened. Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. 
the politicians of the world have their plans for this year. The rulers of the age think they know where they're going to take the world. We somehow think that we are sometimes at the, the mercies of the fates or that the, uh, the circumstances of the cosmos have orchestrated things in such a way that we are bound to the movements of the stars or some power, some authority that is ungodly or unrighteous. We're told, rather, in the book of Revelation, that God has a perfect plan. And that plan is in the hands of Jesus Christ. That he's going to bring about his end and his purposes and his plans in his time. We're called to wait and believe for his, his unveiling of the future of the world. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse. Bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. He was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature, the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. Its rider had a pair of scales in his hands, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for the denarius and three quarts of barley for the denarius. Do not harm the oil and the wine. When Jesus opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Its rider's name was Death. And Hades followed after him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence, by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw on the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had been born. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They were each given a white robe and told the rest a little while longer until the time their fellow servants, till the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth sea, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig tree sheds its winter fruit was shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that had been rolled up, and every mountain and island removed from its place. And the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals of the rich and the powerful and every, everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains and rocks, follow, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Our Lord God Almighty, we come in the 21st century, we come to this time in 2024. Our, our, our Lord God who made time and who created space and 
who is above time and beyond space and yet imminent within this world that you've made. We come and, and uh, our, our, our lives are so short. Our, our lives are but vapors in, in the, the, the midst of eternity. We, we live in a time and a place, Lord. We live in a season and we wonder, we, we, we ask, when are you coming? We would like to have you come soon, Lord Jesus, just as our brethren in the first century waiting on you, waiting for you to come. When will you come, Lord? How long, Lord, until you bring justice? How long, Lord, until you bring the kingdom upon the earth? Lord, as we hear your word, as we try to understand the meaning of your word and the application of your word, give us grace, Lord. Give us the ability to have faith in you. At the end, show us, Lord, what, what, what are we to know? What, what's hidden? What's to be understood? What's to be lived out? Give us grace to be your servants even today. And give us grace to wait until you come again, Lord Jesus. Bless the reading of this word. Bless the interpretation of this word. Bless the application of this word to our life so that we may follow you even unto the end. Amen. So we have here in the, the sixth chapter of Revelation the, the flow of the text, the, the flow of the story, the, the unveiling of, of, of reality. How do you understand the book? How do you interpret the book? It's a massive undertaking. I, I can't believe all the time and all the hours I've spent over the, the several months of our study of Revelation trying to parse out the different ways that it's been interpreted, trying to understand the way that uh, God wants us to <laughs> understand His Word and believe it and live it out. Uh, it, it's incredibly deep. But here we have, in, in the flow of the text, in the flow of the revelation, Jesus comes, all right? In, in chapter 1, he meets with John. In, in chapters 2 and 3, he comes to these churches, that his churches, as, as Luke said, the people he's bought with his blood, the people that he loves, that he's loved, that he will continue to love as that Abba Father until even the end of the age. Uh, he comes to his people, and, and, he's, and he calls them to faith, he calls them to believe. He calls them to trust. I am indeed coming. I want you to be faithful to the end, to conquer, to overcome the temptation, overcome the sin, overcome the, 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 the willingness to compromise, to give up your faith. Stay true to me. Live for me. And, and so he calls the churches. He's calling through the, through the churches, uh, the letters to the churches. He calls us to be faithful continually, to not give in to evil, to not compromise our faith, not add other religious or other religion, religions to our life, false gods, false idols. <clears throat> Don't do it. And, and so the, 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 the path that we're showing here is that a scroll is given representing what? Again, we, we have to make ourselves clear. A symbol, a picture. Uh, in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne a scroll, written on the, written on the back and, and sealed with seven seals. Uh, in chapter 5, so we have this, this picture of a scroll. Uh, it's a Roman scroll. Uh, scrolls sometimes in the ancient times in the Roman world, in the Greek world, uh, these were contracts. These were deeds. These were wills. These were things that uh, pertain to the future, and they, they would sometimes have seven seals on them. They're, they're hidden. They're, they're sealed up. They're closed. The, the wax with the, you know, the, 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 the ring of the, the person who's signing the contract, putting on the scr scrolls. Uh, 
They are meant to be opened. The scroll is meant to be opened. The will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And so here in, in chapter 6, to this first century group of churches that are receiving this revelation, the will of God, the plan of God, the purposes of God are, are being unrolled, so to speak. They're being unveiled. And they come through this great symbolism, these great pictures, these great scenes. Uh, the book of Revelation, so much about what John heard and then what's, what he saw. And so we are privileged to see these visions of God's plan being unfolded. The, uh, the way it flows here is the four horsemen. Uh, I imagine if this is read at night um, through the, in a house church, maybe they're hiding away from the Roman authorities. Maybe they are uh, hidden away, secreted away in the, in the voice. And, and you can hear the, the may, maybe if it was read just right, you could hear the galloping hooves of the horses coming. The, the, the judgment coming, the, the conquerors coming. And that's, that's what we're given here. The, the, the scene is, is that Jesus is opening the scroll, right? What does that mean? If, if the scroll is the plan of God, if the scroll is the purposes of God, who is worthy to open a scroll? It's Jesus, meaning that He's in control of history. Whatever comes, whatever God's plans are represented in this scroll, this picture of a scroll, Jesus is the Lord of history. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is the Almighty, the powerful one. Um, you are not at the control, in the control of fates. You're not in control of circumstances or the spirits or some uh, man-made gods. <laughs> You're not at the whims of history. Your life and my life are under the reign of the king. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it is, and it will be. Uh, so we, we see it, these, these commands come from the throne. Jesus opens the seal, so to speak. The, the seal, if you can imagine it, we're given scenes so we can imagine the will of God being done, being executed. Uh, the, the, one of the living creatures in, in each of these horsemen coming, the living creature, there's one living creature. The, the, the first horse is a white horse. Uh, comes with a rider on that horse. The rider has a bow. The rider is given a crown. He came out to conquer, and he went conquering. The, the second horse, the, the red horse, a rider is upon that red horse. Its, its rider uh, comes and he, he takes peace from the earth. He has a sword, permitted to do what he's going to do. The third seal is open. Jesus again opening the seal. You can imagine the scroll, pop, pop, pop. And John sees in his vision, his heavenly visions, he sees the third rider come, and it's a black horse. Uh, the, the colors all are meaningful here, but the black horse comes with a pair of scales. Judgment, justice of some type. We'll get into it in a moment. The fourth rider personified as death. Personified with death riding a horse. And behind him comes Hades, comes the grave. Death is slaying, death is killing, and the grave comes and gobbles up the bodies. Incredible scene that John is being shown. Representing what? That's the question. To the first century people uh, and to us, 
when we read about the scrolls being opened and the, the actions that, are, that portend to the earth, uh, we have to ask the question, what's being shown here? I, I watched the movie a, a while back. Uh, I, you know, I've been studying Revelation. I saw on, on uh, Amazon there was a movie called The Four Horsemen. I think that was his title. It was so forgettable, I forgot what the title was. But uh, there, there was this scene where there's an ecological disaster happening. Uh, and they have to save the world, but then the four horses come. <laughs> and it's trying to make this mishmash of the end of the world and the end of the earth because of humans' failure to take care of the earth. You know, our, our, the word of the day, so to speak, kind of deal. But the scenes that I saw, it, it, pretend, it, it showed these, these horses coming, and, you know, their riders are, are evil and deadly and, and gross. And I, there, there's some scenes where I saw horses that were in the sky, and they're galloping through the sky. <laughs> and I just started to laugh, because it's so poorly done. <laughs> But this, the symbol there, uh, just as we don't expect uh, right now in heaven that Jesus is walking around as a lion, in heaven right now Jesus is not walking around as a lamb with its throat slit, bleeding all, all over the throne. Uh, these are pictures, these are scenes, that are, are symbols that God given by His grace, given us scenes that the first century people could relate to and understand. In their day, they didn't have tanks, they didn't have battleships, they didn't have all, all the modern uh, gear of war. And, but they, what they did know was about conquering horses, about thundering horses. And upon those horses ride warriors and those who bring judgments upon the earth. And so the seals, if you want to take it this way, they're God's judgments being executed upon the earth as the seals open. Preliminary judgments coming upon the earth dwellers, the evildoers of the world. Uh, I, Dr. J, D, David Jeremiah, uh, he, he wrote a book, uh, several books, and he talks about this. The, the, the horses are the forces that God uses to accomplish the, the, His will upon the earth. The horses and the riders, they are the forces that uh, accomplish His purposes upon the earth. They, they are not meant to be literal in the sense of we expect one day to look up and see a horse standing on Mount Blanca or some such thing. But what is happening here is, is God is saying through His prophet, His spokesman, John, the vision that He was given is God is acting, is going to act, and we have to talk about the, where, where, are the scrolls opened, are they not yet opened, these kind of things, but God is acting through these opening of the seal, the scroll, as it opens, God is doing His will upon the earth. He's bringing His judgments, and He's bringing the kingdom upon the earth through His divine activities. And so my, what, my, what might that be? Well, may, maybe we could say, well, let, let, let's get into this, this, the pictures first. Maybe that would be helpful. It's, it's so hard to do one without the other because they go like that. Today we're just going to look at the four horsemen, and then in the coming weeks, next week we'll look at the martyrs under the altar, and in, uh, in the third week we'll look at the sixth seal, the cosmic shaking of the earth. But the, fir the first horseman comes, and, and again, let's, let's look at that a little bit more closely. A white horse. In Revelation 19, uh, Jesus comes on a white horse. 
He comes to conquer. In Revelation 19, we see the end of the earth coming. The, uh, the judgment day is, is at hand. And so some would say that this is Jesus coming on the white horse. White in the book of Revelation represents purity, represents righteousness, represents salvation. And so some would say that uh, Jesus is the rider. And the, 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 what's coming through this symbol, through this picture, is the gospel going forth through the earth. In uh, Matthew 24, 14, it says that the gospel must go forth to all the ethne, all the nations, and then the end will come. And so that one, one picture, one idea that's been through church history is that Jesus is bringing the gospel. He's conquering, not with you know, the, the bow uh, and, and the crown. He, it's not a, a, a warrior scene in terms of slaying people, but he's bringing the gospel, bringing life to, after life after life upon, into his kingdom. Uh, others would say, no, this is not, uh, not Jesus. The white horse was a symbol of Roman, Roman emperors. They went out to conquer upon their steeds, upon their powerful uh, stallions. And so this is not a picture of Jesus, but it's not the picture of Christ, but the Antichrist coming upon the earth. He's coming to conquer. The, the symbol of, of, of white, uh, the, the power, the, the conquering nature of the rider and the horse. He has a bow to kill, uh, and this is a symbol of war. I think this, this second idea is, is probably what I lean to, is, is read through the different uh, argumentations on this, uh, that uh, the, the four horses kind of hold together as one. If the last three are are bringing woe and ruin and death upon the earth, the first one is probably doing the same thing. So uh, what, one idea here that's coming out is that uh, God is, is, uh, is allowing the humanity to slay humanity. Uh, meaning by that the rulers, the governments, the leaders of the earth Probably one thing that, that we could talk about here is as Antichrist comes, as the end times comes, uh, the spirit of the Antichrist moving through the forces of humanity. Uh, in other words, God letting his, taking his hands, his restraining hands upon off of the people and the sinners are slaying sinners. War, we, we, we see these kind of things happening even today. Uh, war is going on. Uh, he's come out to conquer, and, and uh, conquering is happening. And we, the timing of this, we'll talk about that in a moment. The second seal is is opened, and the the, the red the red horse comes. Uh, red rep representing apparently bloodshed. Uh, the the rider is given uh, given three things. He's permitted to take peace from the earth. Uh, he's, he's, he does this so that people will slay one another. And he was given a great sword. Uh, the, the picture that often comes out as people try to interpret this and what, 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 what's, what's meant by it is that uh, civil war, strife, divisions are coming upon the earth. Uh, people and their lust and their greed for power, whether it be local politicians, maybe national politicians or, or regions of the earth, I want that for myself. Uh, we, we, maybe one idea of this is kind of what's happened with Russia and Ukraine, uh, a conquering nation gobbling up, trying to gobble up other nations for its own ends and its own purposes. God allowing this to happen. Notice that God is permitting these things to go on. Jesus initiates the action. 
the, the, from the throne, the living creatures calls forth for these things to happen upon the earth, and they do take place. War and civil war and bloodshed. A third seal, uh, the black horse. Um, I wondered about this one. In the culture of the day, what, what would black uh, convey? What would it symbolize? Uh, the Jewish people had a, a practice of wearing sackcloth. And a little bit later in the text, it talks about the, the sackcloth, the, the black goat hair, a, a, a coat of, of goat hair, itchy, scratchy, but you wore it during times of mourning, uh, times of sorrow. And so uh, many think that the, the black horse represents a time of coming sorrow, a time of coming mourning upon the earth. God sending forth a, forth a judgment executed probably through the people, the leaders, the rulers, the governments of the earth, Dem demonically perhaps inspired the rider. Uh, we're not told much about the riders of the red horse or the black horse. Is it uh, demonically inspired? Is Antichrist, uh, the, that, that, that personage uh, represented by the peoples of the earth? God taking his hands off the, his restraint, his grace away. Uh, typical of Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. And in Romans 1, what we see is God uh, removing his restraining hand, God letting sinners do what sinners do. And so one way to interpret this, these horses is that God is letting humanity in their wickedness and their evil take its course as a means of judgment upon the earth. Uh, the, the scales, uh, someone, we, we, we're not sure exactly what's, what's happening here, but we think what's happening is this is describing a time of famine. When it talks about, I heard what was seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius was a day's wage. A denarius is what you earn for a full day's work, a 10-hour day out in the field or a 12-hour day out in the field. And so it would buy enough food for one man. Famine wage, or three quarts, uh, a denarius for three quarts of barley. Uh, it might feed a family for three days. Uh, famine wage. Uh, people have gone back and tried to look at the economy and said, well, this is, if this is what something costs, the scales, I, a day's wa a wage is this, and it buys this much barley, that's, uh, that's 10 or 12 times the normal going rate of barley or, or grain. And so what's being brought upon the earth is famine, is death. And, and so war and civil war and strife of people slaying each other, murdering each other, intrigue and politics and, and hatreds. Uh, the result of that is often when, 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 when armies march into certain countries, in the ancient days they'd feed off the, 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 the wealth of the land, they'd take all the crops and eat all the crops, and the local people would starve. The fourth seal is uh, terrifying. As the horseman comes and the horse comes, the, the pale horse, uh, think about a decomposing corpse, a pale green, uh, uh, something that's rotting. The rotting horse comes, the, the, the de decomposing death horse comes, and upon it's, the rider is described as death. Uh, again, the symbolism there. Uh, we're meant to imagine, we're meant to use our imaginations in seeing these things, the judgments of God coming and Hades chasing after, picking up body after body. Hades in the Old Testament, or Sheol in the Old Testament, described as a, a mouth that's open, it's always gobbling up the dead. 
And some of these imageries, some of these scenes come here through Revelation. They were given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine, with pestilence, with wild beasts of the earth. And uh, some would say that the, the name death there, it's probably talking about plague or pestilence. In the Old Testament, the, the word for uh, pestilence, the Hebrew word for pestilence in the Septuagint, the Greek translation in the Old Testament, um, it came interpreted as death. So someone say a plague came upon that horse. Um, the, the ruin, what, what happens in the course of wars? What happens after earthquakes come? What you know, dysentery and disease uh, spreads quickly. And so in, in, in the ancient times when, uh, when, when societies were ruined or, or towns out in the wilderness were ruined, the wild animals could take control. I'm so glad that Colorado's introduced wolves into our uh, state. Uh, maybe next time we'll have grizzly bears in South Fork. It'll be great. But we have here this, uh, this, this scene, this, this scene that keeps coming at us about the judgments of God. Now, how would you interpret this as if you were sitting in, in 80 or 90, 95 A.D., and, you know, your village was just burnt, your, your Christian houses were just burnt by the Roman soldiers. Or your kid just got arrested and placed in jail because he was a follower of Jesus. Uh, from our vantage point, we, we hear these things and we're saying, what's going on? Like, I thought our God was, you know, kind and merciful and a gentle lamb. Uh, what, what is this about God sending judgments? In one sense, it's good news. God is not static. God is not uh, silent. God is not, you know, the, the, the book of Revelation written for people, it was meeting their need. They, 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 they were tempted to walk away from the faith. They were tempted to, uh, maybe after the years turned into decades where they didn't see Jesus come, they, 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 they suffered and they lost and, and more persecution was on the horizon these, these revelations, these seals being opened, these scenes of God bringing vindication, God bringing justice upon the evildoers. What a hopeful message that this world will be God's, that Jesus Christ will be king, that he will reign upon the earth. And so these are seen um, as instruments of grace, even though... Death comes in a mighty way. <clears throat> it would tell them through these pictures, through these visions, through these revelations, God's not done yet. God's still coming. Jesus is still going to reign. You have to wait. Hold on. Keep the faith. Keep going. And you will see your reward. You will see your Jesus in power and glory and might. Uh, how, have these, uh, how have these things been interpreted through the uh, millennia? Uh, we are now 2,000 years on from the first century and the coming of Jesus, His death, His resurrection, His ascension into heaven. The church has been growing through the centuries. The, the church has been expanding. Uh, praise God for that. How, how have these seals been interpreted? Are, are they opened already? Are they partially opened? Are they yet to be opened? Let me give you some scenarios. 
and some scenes and some ideas about what's happening. The first idea that uh, has been prevalent, uh, it's been growing in popularity, growing in understanding, is called preterist. The, it, 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 the interpretation is, is these seals have already been fulfilled. These seals have already been opened. The scroll has already been opened completely and the will of God has already been done. The, the, the teaching here, the understanding here about the interpretation of the seals is that this happened in the first century. That uh, what was written in the book of Revelation was written before the destruction of Jerusalem, before the destruction of the, of the temple. The apostasy of Israel is what's being judged. The evil of Jerusalem is what's being judged. Is Israel, Jerusalem is the whore on riding the beast of Rome. And God brings his judgment upon her. And so the seals came about 66 through 70 AD. As, as it were, the pictures here that are given to the first century church before the temple, they're being persecuted by the Jewish people. They are popped open as Rome marches on Jerusalem. And the seals, it's opened up, the trumpets and the bowls of Revelation, the wrath of God was poured upon Jerusalem and it was destroyed in 70 AD. Another uh, interpretation of these texts is what we might call idealist or spiritual interpretation. Uh, the people who hold to this, they're often, uh, if the first group, uh, preterists, with the idea that this has already happened, they might be called post-millennial, in a sense of that much of the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled, but now the gospel is going forth, and now the gospel is reaching more and more peoples around the earth, and, and as the gospel goes forth and the world becomes Christianized, the millennium of God will come. And then after the millennium, Jesus Christ will come. Predatism and, and post-millennial go together. The second idea, the, the idealists and the spiritualists, the idea is that the book of Revelation, these seals aren't meant to be literal in any, any, measure, of the, in any measure of being. These seals are symbols only. We should not look for them to be fulfilled historically, fulfilled in time. The seals that are being opened here, that we see being opened here, they're just uh, principles uh, that are told again and again. Themes, as it were, throughout, uh, from the first century since Jesus ascended, what we've seen again and again is wars, civil wars, famines, plagues, death and ruin and destruction. Every generation has to choose whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. And so what we see in the book of Revelation are recapitulations. Uh, the seals are the bowls, are the trumpets. It's the same scene repeated in many, many ways of dealing with it seven times. Church history folded out again and again and again through the book of Revelation to teach us again and again to keep the faith. Uh, many of these people would uh, likely fall into the camp of amillennialism where they interpret the book of Revelation as right now we're in the millennium. Right now we are in the tribulation. Right now the Revelation chapter 20 of Satan being bound, it's happened right now. And the gospel goes forth. And, and the tribulation, there's not going to be a great tribulation. We're in the great tribulation. 
and we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. There is no seven-year tribulation. There's no, uh, you know, waiting. It's just the next thing is Jesus comes back, and then the eternal state comes. A third interpretation of the seals, um, what's been talked about uh, in, our, in our generation much, uh, my lifetime and, and maybe uh, previous few generations, uh, oftentimes called dispensationalism. Uh, dispensational premillennialism is one interpretation. And I'm giving you these so you can, you can imagine what, what, what uh, might be happening, what maybe has taken place, what might be coming, so that you'll know how to interpret the book. Uh, the, the premillennial dispensationalist would say, these are all future. None of these have been opened. None of these are happening. The rider on the white horse is the Antichrist. It's the launch of the Great Tribulation. It's the launch of a seven-year period. The whole book of Revelation from chapter 4 to, chapter, to the end of the book, uh, until we get to the eternal state, is still ahead. When the Antichrist comes, uh, when that seal is open, there's a seven-year period where the seals, the seven seals take place in the course of seven years. Within the seventh seal are the seven trumpets. Within the seven trumpets are the seven bowls. And so once we get to seal six and seven, that's the end of time. So a dispensationalist would usually describe the first four seals being opened in the first half of the tribulation. The fifth seal with the martyrs under the altar is midpoint of the tribulation, three and a half years, and seals six and seven are usually described as taking place at the end of the tribulation, right before the end, right before Jesus comes. And so the, the, the flow of the dispensationalists would be a premillennialist. All this is happening before the millennium comes. In Revelation 20, after the tribulation is done, after Jesus comes back, there's a millennial kingdom of a thousand years. And after a thousand years, there's going to be a final battle, and then the eternal state will come. The new heaven, new earth will come down. Uh, all, all, all views view uh, the end as Jesus winning. Uh, a fourth view, just uh, because I know you want more notes to write down. A fourth view is, and this is important as we go through the rest of the book to understand these views, uh, these interpretations. A fourth view might be called what's called historic premillennialism or classic premillennialism. Uh, started in the early church, uh, probably the first, uh, first uh, people after Jesus probably went down this road and then all, millennials, all millennialism took over and preterism took over, and uh, then uh, premillennialism came back. But the historic premillennialists, they would say that probably what we see here is, is uh, in, in these seals is, is akin to uh, the, the, all, the Sermon on the Mount, not the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse in chapter 24, the beginning of birth pains. And let me just read that. Uh, that this, this, all of a discourse plays out in all these different views in different ways, but chapter 24, verse, verse 6. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, so that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth, birth pains. And so the historic premillennialists will say that uh, 
the, uh, the birth pains are not the end. Uh, from the first, from, from Jesus' ascension into heaven, we've been experiencing birth pains. Wars and famines and, ruin, and earthquakes and these kind of things are coming, but it's not yet the end. And so the historic premillennialist will, will typically say probably the first five seals have in some sense already been opened. There's been, uh, since the first century, martyrdom happening through, through, the, through the earth, uh, through, the, through the Christian church. But we're waiting on chapters, uh, or seals 6 and 7 to be opened. And so in the historic premillennialist idea, the idea is that chapter 7 on is all future. But the first five seals have been opened to some degree and they've been happening. But at, at some point there's going to be a great tribulation comes where, where the intensity is going to ramp up the wars, the, the, the cosmic signs, all these things are going to happen in an incredible way. And so there's not a whole lot of difference. Probably the differences between a uh, historic premillennialist and a dispensationalist, both futurists, are the, the, uh, the dispensationalists would say at the beginning of the seven years, that's when a rapture takes place. The beginning of the seven years, before the seals are opened, for the Antichrist rides, so to speak, the church is taken up to heaven. The historic premillennialist will say that the church, the saints that are described in Revelation, like Revelation 7, uh, different places in Revelation, uh, the dispensationalists will say these are converts that have converted to Christ, probably Jewish converts, in the first half of the tribulation. The historic premillennialist will say that probably the converts are Christians who have entered the tribulation. Christians, the church will go through the tribulation. And the rapture takes place when Jesus comes back after the tribulation. The resurrection is the rapture. And so now you know. <laughs> so you choose. Uh, just get, we'll, we'll get into it more. But what I want you to hear, I want you to take away from this today, is that God's plan is going to happen you feel sometimes like you're at the mercy of the government, or you feel sometimes like you're at the mercy of circumstances, or at the mercy of evil people. You're not. The world is not. The world is in the hands of God, and however His plan plays out, it's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be right. It's going to be just. And you can live in hope. Because God reigns, and our God is good, and our God is holy, and our God is righteous, and our God is love. And if you are His people, He's got you firmly in His grip. And no matter what comes, rapture or tribulation, He's going through it with you. And you're safe in His hands. So stay faithful, no matter what comes. Stay faithful to the end. No matter what happens, one day you will see the king and we will be able to worship him forever and ever in his kingdom come. Boy, look at the time. Would you please stand? <laughs> That's a good place to end this sermon. Heavenly Father, we, uh, boy, we would like you to come now, Jesus. We'd like you to come today, Jesus. If that be your will, may it be done. We'd like to you, to you to bring your kingdom upon the earth now. But Lord, if you tarry, if, you, if it's not yet according to your perfect timing, uh, give us the grace to trust you. 
Give us the grace to believe you. Give us the grace to wait for you. Give us the hope that you rule no matter what. And Lord, whether we die and we go to meet you, Lord, whether you come and we rise and meet you in the air, Lord, we, we're happy about our future. And we rejoice today that we have an inheritance in heaven with our Father in heaven forever and ever. Be blessed, Lord, by us as we continue to serve you, faithfully living for you, even to the end. Send us out now as your church to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.